This is the first Sunday of the month, and it's the beginning of what they call the Advent season. An Advent, in, in, the, in the Latin, it means to, uh, the receiving or the coming. And it's the, from the 1st to the 25th, every day there's supposed to be a teaching, a little lesson. We have an Advent calendar if your kids are in the children's church. And we did one every year with our kids. And it tells a little story, getting all hearts ready for, for the coming, for the receiving of Christ's birth, where we recognize what Jesus did by coming to earth. And so this is the beginning of the Advent, and this is the first Advent Sunday, and we take that all the way through. And what we're to do is to prepare ourselves. Now, we do this every year, but it's designed that every year you're believing, you're preparing yourself for another level to receive this coming gift that God has sent to mankind, that a deeper understanding for, for it to have an impact on us, not just another Christmas, not just another donkey story and a star and the angels and, you know, the, the sheep and all that kind of stuff, the shepherds. It's supposed to have an impact. And so what I want us to do is to open ourselves up for this month to be that, that we are saying, Lord, in this Advent season, I want to get ready for a new coming, a new understanding or depth or a touch from your spirit. And that's what it's designed to do. So let's, let's get started. <clears throat> the, um, I started a couple of weeks ago trying, I wanted to understand why in the Gospels, and the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I wanted to understand, um, I have a greater understanding, the difference between the Gospels. Because most of us, if you have any biblical background, you understand that the first three are called the synoptic gospels, and it means they're alike. And then John is different. Now, the book of John, 92% of the gospel of John is different. 92% of it is not in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. I said, well, that's fine. But I wanted, I wanted to have a better grasp. I said, I said, Lord, you know, you just don't do all these random things. You are very purposed. And, and you give each individual a very purposed job. I mean, when, when Mark wrote, he was writing to a, a type of person. But Mark, Luke, and John told of the same miracles, told of, of the birth of Jesus, you know, um, Mary getting pregnant, uh, going and seeing Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was pregnant with her, his cousin John. And so it tells us all the story. And so the first three shows what's going on it's it's kind of a uh, you know a was a hallmark movie you know this, she gets pregnant and what am I going to do and she goes away and a family comforts her then uh, Joseph comes along and you know says well we got to go here and they go to Bethlehem and they have the baby and there's no room in the inn and there's a star and there's shepherds and there's sheep and there's all that doesn't that sound like a hallmark and that's what the Christmas story, that's what we all think of the Christmas story. And then John comes along and he blows it completely out of the water. There's no, there's no donkey. There's no star to follow. There's no wise men or wise guys. 
that there's no Mary, there's no Joseph, there's no Jesus, the baby, there's no baby Jesus. How do you have a Christmas story without the baby Jesus? You've got to have a baby Jesus to have a Christmas story, right? John doesn't have it. I'm thinking, wait a minute, this just can't be a random thing. What was so different about John and actually John's book? Because it, it, John's gospel, uh, it's the only place where it's a woman at the well, the Canaanite. Uh, he tells miracles that aren't in the gospels. In fact, he's going to give us a little heads up here. <clears throat> You know, about what makes him different from the synoptics. Synoptics is being able to be seen together. These, all those three books can be seen together. They work together the same time period. But it's more of what's going on, what earthly things you would see, what city they were in, you know, what the, the, the politics were like at the time. John doesn't really mess with any of that. And so I found this scripture that really nails it, explains to us what was happening. He gets right to the point. And here it is in John 20. In John 20, he says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. He, he just said, he goes, look. There's a, bunch of, there's a bunch of things that all the disciples saw that I'm not going to write about. So he's going, I'm not going to wow you with this stuff. John goes, and he has a very specific purpose. He doesn't want to tell this incredible story that did happen. And he, he goes on and he explains it. He says, but these are written. What he's done, he goes, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The book of John starts off with this purpose and all the way through it, it says, I'm writing these things so that you will know that he is the Messiah. I'm gonna, my book is going to settle it and that you can have life if you believe these things. You see, in the Gospels, it almost, it almost was a secret. The disciples, when, when Jesus started gathering disciples, they didn't know if he was the Messiah or if John was the Messiah. They, they, they were like, well, you know, you all are saying the same thing, and your cousins, you kind of look alike. And, and really nothing was proclaimed until Jesus tells Peter, he says, Peter, who do you say I am? He goes, you're the Christ. And until then, there's really not, there wasn't a proclamation of who Jesus was and was doing. So these guys are writing the story. You know, obviously, he, they learned it from Mary and Joseph um, as they walked with Jesus because Mary was with them, his mother. And they're recounting the, the story. But John says, you know what, I'm not going to tell you about all these earthly things. Even He even saw the miracles as something done. On, it was a God thing done on earth. And John goes, you know what, the, the disciples saw the miracles I'm not even going to tell you about. What I am going to tell you about is that he's the Messiah. And if you believe that, you'll have life. He goes right to the point. There's no fooling around. 
And I, I, I like that. It, it's, he gets to the point. Um, a lot of times when a, a minister preaches, there's a lot, they, you know, there's got to be a lot of fluff. There's got to be, so, sometimes they tell you all the fruit that's come to their life since they believe. You know, and, and we should have testimonies, you know, of, of what, what benefits that, that's come this person's way. For believing. He talks about fruit. And a lot of times people will take that fruit and they go, they're, they're so inspired that this guy's saying, yeah, I did this and, you know, I'm young now and I've, <clears throat> I'm skinny. My wife's beautiful. I'll never lose my hair. Uh, you know, I mean, they're going, that's the God I want. And, you know, you go home and you try to live his fruit and it doesn't work. The reason he has fruit is because he's got root. And you have to have root to have fruit. I, I grow. I grow a lot of my vegetables. And right now, um, I've, I've been picking squash for two or three weeks now and zucchini and my beans. I'm getting ready to put my cabbage, my Brussels sprouts and my collards in. And I know that unless my roots are healthy, I'll have no fruit. And you get signs of how healthy your roots are, how green the plant is. You know, what color the leaves are turning? How many blooms am I going to get? And, you know, actually this year, it's an interesting thing. In the first service, a gentleman lives across the street um, from me. It comes to our church. He does bees. And I asked him, I said, your bees, are, you're struggling in your bees, aren't you, this year? Because he usually has like six hives. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I've lost, I think he's lost like three hives. How do I know? I said, because my squash... And my zucchini is not producing, it's only producing about half what it no, normally does because I need his bees to cross-pollinate. You see, in the face, I need him. And if he's struggling, it affects me. You know, even if my roots, I'm just saying that, that, just as a side note, guys, we have to be connected I want everyone in this family to be as, as healthy, as prosperous as they can because it affects what I do. And if your bees are struggling, my plants are struggling. If your ministry is struggling, my ministry is struggling. If your marriage is struggling, my marriage is struggling because my wife is counseling your wife and she's not with me. So I'm struggling. <laughs> or she's always on the phone talking to your wife. And she's not talking to me. Oh, that might be a blessing, but um, <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Crystal, you're watching by TV right now. Sorry. She's not feeling well. Um, but I can't dig up my roots and inspect them. I have to live by faith. I have to do everything I can without digging those roots up and going, yep, that looks good, and put them back in. I've just destroyed them, didn't I? So I have to pour into roots. John does that. John goes right to the root of the problem. He's not going to tell us about the camels. He's not going to tell about the star. He's not going to slowly build our faith, you know, by this supernatural story of what's going on, all these things that are going on around us. He goes and tells us what's going on in the spiritual, the internal, right off the bat. You can't tell this story. You can't tell the Christmas story in Children's Church from the book of John. It just, because it's, I said it's 10 words. It's, you can tell the Christmas story from John in 10 words, really four. 
Just four words tells the Christmas story. And there's an impact that it's going to make on us. I believe just by hearing the proclamation of this root. And here it is. John 1, verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. Let me apply that. We didn't go to him. He came to us. We are incapable of getting cleaned up. And this is where it's going to have impact. You know, there's times in our lives that we struggle. There's times in our lives that we're given news. There's times in our lives that we, you know, people go through divorce. They can go through uh, an illness. They can, you can be given an illness. They said, you know, you're just going to have to live with this until it takes you. And you go, what? what? What could fix that? There's, there's, to know when, when, when something's condemning you, when something is just poking you in the side, you need to tell them, you need to tell that thing that's, that's condemning you and poking you aside, you need to tell it the Christmas story. The Word became flesh and dwells among me, among us. The word of God, the Logos. See, in the Old Testament, they knew exactly what the word was. The word, and the word is Logos. It was an unseen God that used the word to describe him. And so when, whenever the Jews in the Old Testament, and when, when they heard this proclamation, said that word... The word of the Lord became flesh. How powerful is the word of the Lord? It became flesh and dwells among us. Jesus came in the flesh. That he was this word. Well, we sing about it. But to capture this, we need to recognize that the miracle of this eternal, infinite, transcendent, all-powerful being became flesh for our well-being. He came to us to make God, he, I mean, not only was he now, in, in the Old Testament was the word that described this unseen God and described who he was, but to make it even more powerful, that word became flesh so now I can see and touch it. And it's going to make the ultimate sacrifice for my sin. That's the story that this God would do. This is the Christmas story from John. So that while the other, other writers have the earthly features, John gives us the supernatural features. So this thing comes to us in Hebrews 1. It says, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. That was the Logos, that they were speaking the word of God. 
But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. And you can see the tie-in with John. It said that the word became flesh. So in the reading of the first chapter of John, now you, you, know, you look in the three gospels, and you know, they start off with the story, you know, genealogies, the Mary, and the very beginning of John starts off that it's going to speak of three things. One is his preexistence. And John is actually grabbing something that is the very first words in Genesis in the Old Testament. It says, in the beginning, in Genesis, it said, in the beginning there was God. And, there's, and, and I want this to, to hit your spirit in a supernatural way. I worked at a, and this is just the, the powerful thing of, and you love about God's word, is years ago I worked at a summer camp when I was in college in the mountains of North Carolina, and we'd take kids from all over the nation for a week, and we'd take them horseback riding. I'd take them on the Honda, we have these little trail 90s or 70s or 90s, I forgot what size it was, and, you know, up in the mountains, and just, just get them this close from dying, and, you know, they'd accept Jesus. And um, <clears throat> So my job was just to, to scare the out of them, <laughs> and it worked. Well, there's always that one kid that doesn't fit in, doesn't participate, just complains, kind of sees who else he can just kind of sour. The bad apple. You know, it's like, ugh, just ruins it for everybody. And so what we would do is we want to remove them from all the rest of the cabin that they're in, they're ruining. And so they would send them down to the Honda shack, which is where I work on the Hondas, and ruin my day. Um, but, but supposedly being the adult in the room, um, you know, I'd have them help me, you know, it'd be pretty cool to, you know, work on the little motors, stuff like that. And this kid, you know, let me just say, after spending a couple of days with him, he was just jerk. Just, I mean, I have patience with a lot of people, but this guy, you know, I just said, you know, look, uh, I wish, I, I just had to, I, I had to tell him, I said, you know, I really tried, but I don't like you either. You're just not a likable guy. I said, you're ruining my work production. You're ruining my day. So, listen, just take yourself and go somewhere. And don't bother anybody. Don't ruin anyone else's day. Just do that for us. I bet you have a better time. And so, you know, he called me a few things and he left. So, lunchtime, we all go to the cafeteria. He said, well, where is so-and-so? I go, I don't know. So, we're supposed to be working with you. Yeah, about that. Um, um, I'm, I might have sent him off. Where? Anywhere but where he was. He didn't show up when it's time to go to bed. Now all the staff's up. We're looking for him, yelling, going him down. We're in the mountains. And here he comes walking down the street. And he's just changed. He's shaking. I said, where you been? He goes, I've just been out there. He goes, I took this. It was a Bible. He goes, I want to apologize. I go, really? Was it something I said? Was it my tough love? He goes, nah, you were a jerk. 
He goes, I just opened it. I didn't, I've never done anything. I just opened it up. And the very first line says, in the beginning, God. Because I settled it. I say, what? Yeah. In the beginning, I was, there was God. That, that was a question in my heart. He settled it. I, I'm ready. I'm, I, I, I'm ready for whatever else is next. <laughs> it's like... And these are some of the same words that John says in the very, in the very beginning. There's something that you've got to settle inside of you. He said, in the beginning, God, that's it. There's no imagining what's, what, how does that all fit together? He said, in the beginning, that was God. And that's the very thing you need to say when those times of doubt and disappointment come in. And, and you're not getting healed. You're not feeling better. You don't see an answer. And you've prayed and you prayed. You just got to say to that thing, in the beginning there was God. And guess what? That God, that word became flesh and dwells among us. And something gets settled in you. Something about that thing always asks the questions that you're not quite certain. You need to speak the, this Christmas story to that doubt. In the beginning was God. And you know what? And that, and in the beginning was the word. And that word became flesh and dwells in me. See, when Jesus went to heaven, he goes, don't worry, I'm going to heaven. But you know what? I'm going to leave someone who looks, smells, and tastes, and just sounds just like me. It's called the Holy Spirit. So you're not going to be left alone. If you were to see the Holy Spirit right now, you'd say, oh, that's Jesus. Because he just says what Jesus said. You know, he does what Jesus says to do. He just all he does is talk about Jesus. He's come among us. This God. See, and, and said so in the beginning, he says there was God. Well, the, the original in the original Hebrew, it says there was one God. When it says one God, it says there was one cluster. There was one God that is a cluster. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's one. And one of them, that one of that cluster of the Trinity. Was the word. And so here we have in the scriptures, in the very, in John 1 1, it said, In the beginning was the word. And when it says the beginning, it was before creation. You see, the word wasn't created, the word was in the beginning. So it is, has a pre existence before the creation. Jesus wasn't created, he was. And he was with the Father. And we see that in number two. There's a coexistence. Between the Son and the Father, the coexistence and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's a co-equal existence. Because people say, "Well, you know, do I pray to Jesus? Or I pray to God." You said you pray to both. That's it. They're one. You know, you can kind of spot the you know, there's Father God, and that's my Son, Father God. You know. Then some of us, Jesus. How about Jesus? How many, how many Jesus name and Jesus names are there? Who says in Jesus name? You end it with Jesus name. All right. Who starts it with Father God? <laughs> who starts? Who starts off ahead of head of the Godhead? Omniscient, omniscient one. <laughs> no one. Oh, okay. How about Daddy? Daddy God. Abba. 
It's, the, it's, it's one. But there's something that spiritually happens when you tell this Christmas story to that which is accusing you. See, we should be able to tell this Christmas story real easy. The word became flesh and now is among us for our, our well-being. And John told us, he says, and whoever can believe this, he's going to make sons of God. Can you believe it? I don't care if you've got a little whiskey on your breath right now. I don't care if the doctor says, you know, you've got AIDS. I don't care if you've been served with divorce papers. You're going through it. And you need to tell the Christmas story to that thing that is accusing you and telling you you're worth nothing. So listen, the word of God became flesh and dwells among us. He came here for me and I believe that. Settle that question. Settle, settle that argument. Something spiritual. You'll be like just that young man walking up the road. He goes, I'm undone. In the beginning there was God. That's it. Don't need to worry about it. Self-existence in him was life. This is the scriptures from verse 1, verse 2, 3. He, did, he has life in him. Life exists because of him. Years ago, I, I, they used to be saying, oh, the devil's alive, alive and well. Back, back in the 70s, going, the devil's alive and well. You know, pull out your sword. And I said, wait a minute. Jesus is alive. The devil cannot be on the same level. So I looked at it. You know what? The devil's not alive. The devil is existence of death. His existing death. There's nothing that, that, that can be good. And I think life is good. He is not life. He is death. Everything he does, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Does anyone see life in any of those words? He is the existence of death. And Jesus is in him life. Settle it. It fights. It just deals with the argument that you can't seem to touch in the middle of the night. The emptiness that comes on you. You need to settle this in the spiritual realm. And these are words that are given to us. This is the root. This isn't the donkeys. This isn't the story. This isn't, remember, this is right to it. He came. He came. The word became flesh and dwells in me. Period. And and whoever believes in this is going to be called sons of God. Regardless where you're at. Regardless of what you feel. I want to go ahead and read on through the scripture. Jesus didn't receive life from anyone because life is in him. He's the one who possesses it. He is the source of life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness. If you can get that light in you, I don't care what darkness you're in. There's a light that's shining. And the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light 
so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world and through the, the, though the world was made through him, they didn't receive him. He came to his own people and they didn't receive him. They didn't recognize him. And that's true today. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Wow. Yet he still loved us. Here's to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14. And I want you to receive this. I want you to use this for that argument those forces that have come against you. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory and the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Today is the first day of Advent. You may not know or be able to describe it. But those words, it's going to change something in you. The word became flesh and dwells among us. You need to be able to speak into that despair. What I'm going to ask, besides the band coming out there, should we come out or not? Yes. There's something powerful about that when, when you recognize that's me. If, if I were to lay gifts out here, I said the answer is on the stage. You have to come get it. One of the things that we tell our grandchildren, our children, said, listen, we want to get you presents for Christmas, but what present do you want? What, do you, what present do you want? What do you need? Well, I'm going to tell you, this is what you need to be able to say to those things that attack you. And drag you down. Tell you you're worthless. The reason why you were not going to go to the family, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner is you're embarrassed. The Christmas story is the Logos, the Word of God, the descriptions of God, who God is, became flesh and dwells among you. Regardless of what you're going through, he's here. Settle that in you, your spirit.
And if you know that, that you've moved up somewhere, some, somehow those words meant something in your spirit. Something has been settled. When we start singing, just don't sit back. You recognize, you're going, you know what? It's me who got that gift and come get it. I always love coming when I'm done preaching or someone's done preaching. I want to come up and I want to get right on the stage because you know what? The, the, the presence of the Lord flowed this way. And I want to get close to that thing like the woman who touched the hem of his garment. And Jesus said, his virtue has left me. If what was said today, which I believe is inspired for the word of the Lord, come and touch something upstage. Get close to it. Said, Lord, I'm going to grab it. I remember Peter Brunton's father, I'd go to conferences with him, and he spoke at a lot of them. And it doesn't matter what, what conference we were at. When the, they'd say, come down and receive. He'd go down to every one of them. I mean, one of them was a women's meeting we went to, one of the sessions. And they said, you know, come down and receive. You know, for a call for the women. And Stuart got up and went down. <laughs> I said, and I'm like, oh, gosh. And afterwards, I said, uh, Stuart, I said, why'd you go down? He goes, if God's given something away, I'm going to get in line. I don't care what it is. <laughs> We're going to sing. If the Lord leads you, join me down here. Please stand.
Deserving 
we can't deserve Christmas and and salvation and you giving your son it's an adoption that takes place with us so Lord we thank you that salvation is adoption and and that we can take our eyes off of what we deserve and who deserves what but we put our eyes on the fact that you deserve all of our praise you deserve all of the attention and the focus so Lord help our hearts look to you as we approach Christmas and we interact with family, we do it with a grateful heart and a heart full of praise for a God that deserves it. And Lord, we thank you for what you've done here today in each of us. You deal with us individually and you bring us closer to you and that's always mind blowing and it warms our hearts. So Lord, we thank you for that and we praise you in the name above all names, in Jesus' mighty name we say, Amen and amen. And before you leave, take an opportunity to go over toward uh, where Kids Church is, and they're giving these out for free to anybody. If you have kids or not, go over there. If you don't have kids, don't go over there and take a kid and one of these because you don't have a kid. But go over there, grab one of these. And most of all, know that we love you guys, and we hope that you have an incredible week. We'll see you next week. See ya.